You're trying to make it work. You're, you're exploring. You're, your mind is bending. We need people's minds to bend if we're going to solve the problems of the world. So I'm a deep arts advocate as well. This is so important. And the arts aren't just nice, they're necessary. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back to the show. Joining us today is Julie Henriquez, who's worked in arts administration for over 30 years and has taught arts administration classes for over 15 at leading colleges, including Emerson, BU, and BC. She's a multi-published mystery writer with her eighth book, Digging Up the Remains, coming out this August, and it's written under the alias of Julia Henry. Now, two years ago, Julia launched Your Ladders, which is a company that helps performing artists and writers develop the confidence for their creative journey while developing the tools they need to get past the blocks and obstacles in their path. She is committed to helping creatives get their work out into the world, and I'm so happy to welcome Julie to the show. Hi, Julie. Thanks for being on today. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so you developed a program called Muse Mapping, which I understand is a model to help creative people develop practices that work for them. And you have one specifically for writers, which we're going to be talking about today. Can you talk about the program a little bit and um, why you launched it? Sure. Last summer, I became a certified life coach. And so in taking the life coaching classes and doing my practice coaching, I developed a six-step model um, to help people whatever reason I'm working with them. But it's for creative people, it's things like understanding why you're doing your work, which can be different from the how. Understanding what the blocks and obstacles are in your path and how to maneuver around them and unearthing the limiting beliefs that are stopping you from moving forward, you know, building up your community all of these six steps that can help people on their creative journey develop a practice that works for them. And that's such an individual thing. There's not a cookie cutter to this. And it's also not easy or intuitive. So I developed this muse mapping model to help people And then I uh, have adapted it for writers because as a writer, um, I always think, oh, it's not that it's easy, but I, I meet a lot of people when I do author events who say, I would love to be on a panel someday with my novel in front of me. Or I have three books in a drawer I've never finished. And I, I hear the regret in their voice. Mm-hmm. And I want to help those people not live with that regret. I want to help them understand that it's more than being a good writer to, be, to finish a book. I want to, I've developed the muse mapping model and added the writing components to create the muse mapping for writers program. 
Yeah, you know what I love that you've done? You probably didn't even need the official life coaching certification because as a teacher, I know you've been coaching students and helping them on their career path for so long, but I appreciate that you went and did that extra certification to create a coaching model that now you can implement with this training course to help these students that come to you, these people with these dreams in their hearts. And one thing that I always say, I just actually did a, I was asked to talk about mindset for entrepreneurs during downtimes and not everyone's called to be an entrepreneur. So I always say, if you're called to it, pay attention and pursue that path. I also, and we both share this mindset is that not everyone is called to be a writer. So if you are feeling called to write, there is a reason for that. There's a part of you that wants to have that creative expression put out in the world. And I agree with you. If somebody's got that book or those three books in a drawer, that's a shame. Like just, you know, they need to get it, to take the action, to get it out there. Um, and we're going to talk about that, how to develop the confidence and all of the pieces with Julie's expertise. But I want to ask you to start because I love the word muse. And so when you say you, it's about answering the call of the muse, what does that mean? What is a muse? What does that mean to you? And how does someone develop the con- confidence to fully explore their creative journey, their desire to write and put a book out there? Well, there are a couple of great books that I've read and people who I follow who talk about creativity. Stephen Pressfield has written several books. You know, The War of Art is is the first book, but he wrote a book called The Artist's Journey, and it's it's based on the model of the hero's journey. But one of the things he says in there that resonated with me deeply was that everyone is called by the muse, but few answer the call. So what that means to me is that everyone has a moment in their lives where something sparks in them and they say, wouldn't it be cool to do that? But few people take that next step of how can I do that? Because that's putting yourself out there very vulnerably, right? And, and, you know, we could talk about that, but it's, it's the being comfortable with not being good at something <laughs> while you're learning the craft is humbling. And for many people uh, who sort of explore writing a novel, they frequently had another part of their lives that they've been successful at. And then they try to, and they've got this story in their mind and they think this, I can do this. And they realize how difficult it can be to write the novel. And, and they expect the same confidence and the same expertise that they have in the rest of their lives. But you don't get that right away. And not only do you not get that right away, it's ongoing. So a little bit earlier, you mentioned me taking coaching um, certification last summer. I have found every time I take a class or a workshop thinking, I already know this, but I'm just going to take it anyway, it's, it refreshes or gives me new ideas. And I learned this early on. I joined a wonderful organization called Sisters in Crime, and I was at a character building um, workshop one day that the, the chapter was holding, and I was sitting next to a multi-published best-selling author. And she's taking copious notes. So at the lunch, and she's a mentor of mine. And at the lunch break, I said, what, why are you here? Like you, you've published a lot of books. And she said, I never don't learn something in these sorts of classes. Even if I'm just learning how to be a better teacher, 
I'm learning something. You have to always be open to thinking about your writing differently so that you don't become stale, so that you can explore new things. And so I, when people are called by the news and they don't answer the call, I can almost understand that because it is scary. It shows when you answer the call to the muse, you're looking at life in technicolor instead of sepia tones. You're risking something that means a lot to you to having the public read it or having anyone read it. When, when you write a book, being published isn't what makes you successful. It's writing the book that makes you successful. It's a journey. It's not a destination. So practicing kindness to yourself while really pushing yourself is important and figuring out how to answer the call. And these days, I have so many friends in the performing arts who are being so impacted uh, by what's going on. You know, I talk to them a lot about what is your why? Why do you do your work? Why are you called to do this work? And then your how is how you express it. So for my theater friends, they're working on their why during these quiet times can be challenging because usually they're so busy, but it's also important because your how, if if your why is I wanna be on stage, you gotta dig deeper because if that's your why, then it's very, very, it's harder than it already is. So if you can explore other hows, and people are doing that with, you know, Zoom theater and all sorts of things, um, then then you can keep going and you can keep answering the call to the muse. So it's it's a long way of saying that I, I there's magic in the call to the muse. A lot of the work I do is around the business side and the mechanics and, you know, it's not always the sexy part. But I, I'm more and more acknowledging and embracing the magic of the fact, you know, just in my own writing, I will be searching for a plot for my next book and something will trigger this whole idea and it keeps going. I mean, I'm writing a series and the people in my series are as real to me as anyone else. I'll go online shopping and it's like, oh, Lily would wear that hat. Lily doesn't exist, but she's so real to me, especially while I'm working on a book. So it's it's magic, but it's magic that's um, not easy. And some people avoid magic anyway, uh, but it is incredibly joyful. And so if I can help more people embrace and answer the call to their muse, then I've, I've lived life well. Okay. So, so many great things that you said in there. So it's interesting because I think that just like I said, not everyone's called to be an entrepreneur. I don't think everyone's called to be a writer, but what you said is that everyone, according to Stephen Pressfield, and I would agree with this, that the muse calls, but very few answer. And that's kind of what the show is about. It's listening to those internal whispers. It's listening for that idea. And it really could just be something to fulfill you, taking uh, an improv class or an art class because you used to love to do art and you haven't allowed for that. And it's interesting, you said something about people are afraid of taking the risk of putting out something, their work, their writing, their words, which I agree is very vulnerable to be able to do that. And yet it depends how you look at risk. Maybe the risk is really waking up at 85 and realizing you never did allow yourself that creative expression. And to me, that's a worse risk. To, to take to gamble that. But 
but when you're younger and you're in it, you're, you're all, all you're thinking about is, oh my goodness, what are people going to think? And can I really share this? Writing is so deeply intimate and it's connected. You're talking about magic. I'm thinking soul. It's connected to something so much bigger. And then the other thing that you said that which I really loved was we're talking about confidence and you went back and you, you know, the example you gave with that multi-published bestselling author and yourself 30 years in arts and administration, why do you need a coaching certification? But you always learn more. I think that's true. I've never signed up for something and gone, oh gosh, I really wish I didn't, you know, pay to learn this or take this free class. There's always something, even if it's validating how much you do know, there's always a learning in the process. And I think that that is, uh, it, that is a way of developing confidence, gaining more knowledge, but then having the confidence then to take the action. So, how does someone build that confidence, Julie, to to get writing? I mean, like we talked about, many people won't even beginning on begin on that path. So how do they embark on that first step if they're they're aware and they're going, yeah, that's me. I've I've had that whisper, I've had the call, I can see characters in my mind, they want to tell the story. I've not allowed for that. Where do they start? Well, <clears throat> There are four ways or four things that I can talk about as far as confidence building for your creative journey. Uh, the first is to, to disassociate New York Times bestseller or massive movie deal or, you know, these, these things that our culture celebrates as far as success. Right. And mm -hmm. we can talk about this some more, but defining success really is about the journey. And so that's the second thing. I call it journey focus instead of destination focused. When you are on a creative journey, you're always on the journey. Unlike other pursuits in your life where you can, you know, if you're a lawyer and you become a partner, you're done with your, your career path. When you're on a creative journey, it's constant. And even when you stop for a minute, so you get cast in a show or you get a concert or your song is published or your book is published, that's a destination, but it's almost, it's not a firm foundation. <laughs> it's just a, a minute for resting and then you're back on the journey. So the journey is the important part and the joy of the journey is something that you have to discover. The other thing to really understand that will help you build confidence is that this is a lifelong apprenticeship. And Michelle, you know this. Mm -hmm. You get better the next time you do it. So the first time you do it isn't going to be perfect. And so you need to really be okay with that. And understand that your next time will be better because you're learning and you just you're developing your craft. Even those of us who flip to teaching are still developing, developing our own crafts. And the last thing that I think can help you develop confidence is real patience. So sometimes people are too ambitious when they set out especially at the beginning of their creative journey. Uh, and again, it can be anything, can be your creative journey. But they'll say, you know, again, going back to writing, I, I want to write a book by December. <laughs> well, three months in, if you're just starting to really understand the plot of the book, 
right? And and sometimes, especially when I, for just speaking for myself, when I first started, I had to write my way into my books. I didn't, you know, now I'm a plotter and it's a whole different thing. But back then, I would write, like, I, on my first book, I wrote 100 pages that I eventually got rid of because it was all the backstory. It wasn't the story that I needed to tell. And so that's, you just have to be patient. And if I had said to myself, I'm going to be done by December, and then I spent four months writing those 100 pages that got I got rid of to make, find the book, then I wouldn't have finished. So sometimes you need the patience is being kind to yourself. The patience is adjusting the goals that you've set for yourself so that you can do them. And the patience is understanding that you're going to suck sometimes. Wow. <laughs> and and there, even when you're good at it, I'm writing my ninth novel now. Wow. There are days when I'm just, it's flying and it's flowing and I'm there. And there are days where it's just, Oh, writing those words is so difficult. <clears throat> so I'm patient with myself. And I under because I've done this so many times now, I understand that this is part of the process. It doesn't mean that every time I don't have to relearn that. It doesn't mean that there isn't a time when I'm in the middle of writing a book that I don't say, this is the one I'm not going to be able to pull off. Right? Mm-hmm. Got to be really patient with ourselves. It's a journey. And so the confidence is all internal. You talk about this so much. It's all the internal work and the validation has to be internal work as well. Um, but it, but I just find that creativity and answering the call to the muse has given me tremendous joy. I also think creative energy is the kind of energy that can help us reimagine what things are and what they can be, so that that energy, however you use it, is a gift to the universe. Because in whatever you do, even so suppose you take up watercolor, and you're not very good, but you're taking it up and you're doing it. That creative energy you're putting into the universe heals the universe. It helps us all rethink how things are. Because when you're doing a watercolor, you're, you're pondering something you're looking at it you've got a point of view you're you're trying to make it work you're you're exploring your your mind is bending we need people's minds to bend if we're going to solve the problems of the world so i'm a deep arts advocate as well i i've just this is so important and it's not the arts aren't just nice they're necessary and so you're embracing a creative journey and developing the confidence is a gift to the world as well as a gift to yourself. Yeah. What you're saying is making me think of a couple of things. One is that I think of children. And so they're on a creative path every single day. Their art is magnificent in their minds. You know, they, they have the confidence, they make a mark and oftentimes will get the validation as a, as a, you know, as a little one, the parents or whoever is going to praise that, which obviously we know, changes as they get older, sadly, which is why I think a lot of the creative journeys do get shut down. One comment from a voice teacher, a writing teacher, an English teacher can just shut down somebody's creativity that can create what I call a little T trauma, which is a shame. But children know that that's our birthright. Play, creativity, this is energy. This is our life force. So I love what you said. I think that that's so important. I think the other thing, though, Julie, is that some people may want their their 
their life's work to be surrounded around the creative journey. So, you know, they may want to be the writer, that New York Times bestselling writer that can make an actual living doing it. And so I think it's important to uh, have big dreams. I know you're all about dreaming big too, but also maybe temper that with um, what you're talking about with the journey. So I'm just curious, what do you see, you know, how do we, how should we be framing it in our minds so that we can enjoy the creative process to be in it uh, and also allow to dream big, you know, can you make a living? You know, I, I know you're not a big fan of the whole starving artist, uh, right? We want to get away from that because, you know, we don't want to have these self-limiting beliefs, but um, can you speak on this? The reason I started Your Ladders two years ago was a smaller in scope than it is now, but it was because I have spent so many years working in the performing arts and working with performing artists. And I would teach arts management classes and the students who took my class who were actors or playwrights or designers would just feel so much better about graduating because they would understand the business part. I don't know a single artist who's making their living from the arts who isn't doing it with five or six different gigs Mm -hmm. all at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, teaching, or, you know, if you're a writer, it might be that you're writing your books and you're self-publishing and you're ghostwriting and you're doing, you know, and you're teaching and you're holding workshops and you're doing different things. Even now for me, though, your ladders, as I said, it was founded to help performing artists learn business skills. And I still do that um, with a monthly subscription so that people can take a marketing class or take a strategic planning class and understand, even if they don't want to produce their own work, what it what the business is. And when you're an artist, you are your own small business. So you do need to understand marketing. You do need to understand budgeting because that's part of it. But when we're talking about the, the tools that we need to move forward, I, I define them as three different areas that we need to have a successful creative journey. One is honing your craft. So getting better and better. Never stop learning. Never stop taking classes. You know, keep going. Keep pushing yourself. Keep reevaluating. The second is building your community. So for a writer, that is, for me, joining Sisters in Crime was a huge part of that. So I could meet other writers, you know. In New England, there's a service organization for the performing arts community called Stage Source. And Stage Source is a great way to build community because of the tools and what they provide. So knowing other people who are doing what you're doing, you cannot think of people doing in your sector as your competition all the time. Obviously we are, you compete to a certain degree, but you have to lift other people up. Otherwise it's just too difficult and it it eats away at you. Everyone, when it's your chance, you, you'll have a cheering squad. You know, that happened to me when I, uh, I joined sisters in crime. It took me 15 years to get published and all of my friends, uh, I blogged with these other women. They all had publishing contracts and they still invited me to be on the blog. When it was my turn, when I got my first contract, there was nobody cheering louder than mm. those. Five women. Wow. And, you know, when I, I 
had the launch for my first book, it was sold. So like it was packed because, and I wasn't lying when I was cheering them on. I was genuinely happy for them because everyone has their own journey. You can't judge. You don't know. And then the third C that I talk about or uh, channels, I mean, I just like it because it's three C's, but it's the channels of distribution. It's the business models. Understand how the business works. People will say to me when I first, I, you know, left a job to start your ladders, well, you're going to make your living writing. And I don't make a living writing. I make some money writing and I may at some point, it's a long game, right? I might have the breakthrough book or Hallmark might say, boy, this would be a great <laughs> mini series or there's many different ways um, of a scenario, but you just keep priming the pump, but you've got to do it in a lot of different ways and be very creative. And that's part of the patience and defining success. Again, our society defines success with money. When you're on a creative journey, I don't believe in the starving or suffering artist at all. I don't do not think that we should, uh, as creative people, we should subscribe to that. And because I think it makes society make it too easy for us to suffer or starve, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to really adjust that. But you you've got to understand how this is going to work. And look at it with generosity towards yourself and to other people. And our society does want us to define success by the amount of money in our bank accounts. But the beauty of a creative journey is I wish for everybody some monetary success and some money, but also the deep satisfaction of having created something, the understanding of the world in a different way the extraordinary people you meet on your journey, the work that you can do, the way you can change people's lives through your work, no matter what scale you do it on. Those are also the ways we have to just find success. And so it's, it's a really challenging thing to do sometimes, but that work, that deep inner work, that redefinition of success, that goal setting, that's, that's the game. And boy, you're lucky and blessed when you start to tap into that because it makes life so much more fun and rewarding and interesting. Not easy, but definitely interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm thinking about with writers, you know, let's say on a TV show, the actors get all the accolades. Oftentimes you don't know who's in that back room sweating it out you know, probably pulling all-nighters, who knows, to get these scripts done and just the creative process and creating. And it's, as a writer, uh, somebody who's claiming that space now, I really pay attention to dialogue. And I and I, I don't say anymore. I mean, a lot of times it is great acting, but I'm like, wow, what great writing, you know, yeah. to, to create the words that make us laugh or to make us cry or to make us feel. But it's interesting because I think a lot of people... I mean, as you're talking about it, it is that satisfaction and everything, but we do have to create our own sense of success. And so not everyone is somebody who would want to be in front of the camera. And so, you know, there are people out there recognizing, even if you don't know, like me sitting at home going, yeah, that's amazing. And the written word, one poem, one article, one book could 
change somebody's lives, even if right. you're self-publishing it. And the other thing I'm thinking about too, is I remember my book coach at the time was like, when you publish your first book and mine was self-published, she said, when you self-publish that first book, it'll be like a feeling you've never had before. And you'll feel like you can take on the world. And it's true because you're like, wow, if I could accomplish that, what else mm -hmm. can I accomplish? So in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of the confidence building and the journey, this keeps reinforcing it. It's so true because it does give you wings. It makes you think, okay, well, maybe I could, you know, launch that business, start something else, get a publisher next time, whatever it is. Uh, well, and you were so dead on when you talked about the idea that, you know, as a writer or as an actor, I mean, we can be solitary, but it's usually a group of people. Yeah. So a lot of people have seen Hamilton yeah. um, on Disney mm -hmm. and there are eight minutes of credits with that movie. Wow. And there's a lot. And, you know, some of the actors, it's like they get their bows, they do this, but but there are the costume designers, the scenic designers. There are the people in marketing and advertising. There are the folks who run the theater and the box office and the house manager. There are hundreds of people who work on a, a Broadway show or any show right. in order to bring it off. And all of those people are creative as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's true. Or if a TV show, the, the film crew and stage designers and the costumes and Mad Men, I always appreciate. I mean, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we are going to be focused on designing our own definition of success and what that looks like individually. That's really the take home. But making sure you answer that call and stay on it. Now, here's the thing. Some people do get into writing that book. And then they feel burnt out or overwhelmed. They get stuck. Any tactical steps that can help somebody see it through? Because it's one thing to finally start, but it's another thing to finish. And I think most people don't finish. That's the challenge. Sure. There's a few things that you can work on. So there's a couple of reasons that you stop. Right? One is lack of patience for yourself and your journey. Uh, the second, for specifically if we're talking about writing a book, your first draft of your book is going to not be good. <laughs> so understanding that that's part of it, understanding that the journey of writing, for example, is about the getting the words on the page so you can fix them and they're not going to be beautiful. And that that getting the words on the page is actually work. It's it's not always fun. It's work to, to have yourself do that. So setting goals for yourself. You know, people will say, well, you should write a thousand words a day. You would do this. No, you, you do what works for you. If you write 500 words a day con consistently, you're going to have a draft of a book after a certain amount of days. So understand that, that it's progress over perfection, that you just got to stay with it and understand that if you can't fix it in editing, for example, other people can help you with that. So the journey isn't, again, if I'm looking specifically at writing, it's hard work to stick with that. <laughs> you know, with my 500 words a day idea, if I'm trying to write a 60,000 word 
um, manuscript, right? So that's 120 days, I think I did this right, Mm -hmm. that you're going to be writing every single day. That's a commitment. And the commitment has to be to you, especially when you're starting out because uh, you don't have a contract. There's nobody waiting for your manuscript. When you're a performing artist of any type, uh, you, you're waiting for people to give you a job. And that isn't always based on how good you are at your work. Mm. There's so many other factors that come into creative opportunities that are out of our control. Same for writers. You could be a brilliant writer and still not get that book contract. Yeah. Right? So you've got to be okay with that too. And again, this is where I get into the other part of my life. Maybe start exploring how to make your own opportunities um, so that you don't keep hitting a wall. Yeah. To keep you encouraged to keep moving and everything's not. Mm. Yeah, this takes the pressure off. So I know you talk a lot about mindset, Julie. What are, just give us two of your favorite mindset shifts that help creatives keep dreaming big while keeping on task. Well, my favorite phrase, I've used it already, but is progress over perfection. Just keep moving. Uh, Several years ago, 10 years ago, I think now, for whatever reason, I decided I would run a half marathon. And I joined uh, a friend of mine told her this and it was she was the wrong person to tell her, perhaps the right person to tell because the minute I said it out loud, she's like, "Okay, here's what you have to do. And she had me join a running club like six months before the half marathon. And so I met every Saturday morning, would wake up at six o'clock in the morning. I would go meet them and, you know, learned how to fuel my body that you take, um, you know, you run a mile and then three miles and you do this and you take time off and you also have to stretch all of the stuff that I needed to learn so that on that October morning I could stand on a start line and do my best. So it's understanding that it's a marathon It's not a sprint. And that the marathon is hard work sometimes. Mm -hmm. So being patient with yourself, but learning how to not let yourself off the hook is important. Yeah. And also that internal validation. You can't wait for somebody else to tell you you're doing well in order to feel it. That's one of the hardest things to learn because not everyone is going to like your work or going to give you good feedback. So learning how to deal with those critics. I mean, this is one of the blocks that I talk about with folks. There's some criticism that's helpful and there's some that will absolutely stop you. So your self-worth has to be strong enough that you can weather both. So if someone tells me I'm the most wonderful writer in the world, I thank them, but I feel neutrally about it mm-hmm. as I do if they tell me I'm the worst writer in the world. Yeah. Because, again, this is a muscle that you build up over time, but you have to have it internally. You have to understand that. But the other big thing I want folks to to understand or the thing that, that the mindset shift is that this should be fun. It should give you joy. Mm. Dorothy Parker said, 
I, I hate writing, but I love having written. And a lot of people put that as their tagline on their emails or they post the meme. I actually don't like that meme because if you really hate writing, then fix that. Hmm. Fix it. Yeah. Find a way that you can fall in love with it again. And maybe that is taking your foot off the gas um, and, and setting different goals. If you're along, you've written lots and lots of books and you're burned out, burnout is real. So maybe you need to do something else. For burnout, I, I recommend people do something outside of their field. So for me, uh, artistic burnout and refueling is going to a museum because I'm not a visual artist. Mm. So find some, or just don't write for a while until you're feeling called to, to start again. But really um, understand that this should be fun. <laughs> it should give you joy. Mm -hmm. And if those two things aren't happening, find a way for them to happen or consider not doing it because life is too short. Agreed. Life is too short. And probably whatever the muse was calling you into, maybe you've taken the fun out of the process by setting all sorts of external, you know, expectations. You know, it has to be this grand thing. And now you've just killed the joy for yourself, potentially. That's what I'm hearing. Well, absolutely. So in my own journey, you know, I write mysteries. So the first workshops I was taking, I knew a long time ago I wanted to be a writer. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to take some workshops. Like that was my, I'm not going to just think about this. I'm actually going to try and figure out how to do this. And a couple of workshops I um, took did not like or admire genre writing. Mm. Right? They liked literary fiction. And so in one of them, it was so detrimental to my writing. I didn't write for a year after that workshop. Mm. And I had a science fiction writer also in that workshop. If he wasn't there so that we could like talk as we were leaving every day, every week, um, I don't know that I ever would have picked up a pen again. Right. Yeah. So, so we really need to understand that uh, you need to define it for yourself. And for me, I, love writing mysteries. I've tried to write other, other books. In one of those early workshops, um, I was writing these stories and they were just boring. And this woman in the workshop and I would be there early and then would go on breaks and, I'd, you know, have a drink afterwards. And she said, uh, why? And we always talked about who we were reading. And I would tell her my mystery. I was reading Elizabeth George or I was doing this. And she said, you're reading all these mysteries. Why aren't you writing a mystery? Mm. And I realized I was trying to write the great American novel. I was trying to be what everyone calls the great writer. Mm -hmm. But writing what I loved made all the difference. So if you love something, <laughs> whether it's a genre or whether it's poetry or short stories, whatever you love, that's what you write. That's great. Because that's how you hit the flow. It's interesting because I was going to ask you as an eight-time published author, uh, you know, what do you wish somebody had told you when you were getting started? And I wonder if it's what you're just saying now. Yeah, I think I would have loved somebody to tell me the things I tell people when they're starting out is, you know, that, and this is what I talk about in Muse Mapping, is that writing and getting a, writing a book are two different things. 
right? The writing is your writing and that's great and beautiful sentences and beautiful words and good grammar and all that's important. But putting a book together is mechanics as well. So understanding dramatic structure, understanding character arcs, you know, when I, I write, I tend to write in series. So I'll have two book contract or three book contract. So writing a story that goes over those books and, you know, character development and all of those things are mechanics. They're magic and the muse and everything else. But the mechanics of writing a book aren't we don't talk about that enough either. We just sort of say, oh, you have a good story. You can write a book. And that's not true. You, I'm, I found that with the book that I'm writing right now. I had a really interesting story. And I was plotting it because that's the way I work. And it was a really good story that wasn't a book. Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of work to make that story into a book. So to add enough dramatic tension, to to create the twists in the plot that would surprise the reader, to adding, you know, the other sub, I tend to write like a major plot and then a couple of subplots and weave them in at the end. And so how I was going to get those subplots, the subplots were actually more interesting than the story. So, you know, switching things up. So the mechanics and understanding that I wish somebody had explained to me the dramatic structure and I'm lucky because I've worked in theater for so long that I understand it but but those you know just understanding how to plot (laughs) was a huge groundbreaking oh I can figure this out Um, understanding the editing process and how important that was because I know a lot of people don't finish their their drafts or they 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 keep working on it so they don't finish it. You have to finish it and forget it for a while so that you can fix it. And so that, I think, would have helped me as well. And the other thing that I wish I'd known, that I really know now, is that I my second book was better than my first book. Yeah. I needed to finish the first book. So a lot of writers, especially writers who are still, you, you're you in love with your first book. The mm-hmm. first thing that you really think you can make into a book, right? We all have stories and ideas, but then you get this idea that grows inside of you like, oh, this can be a book. <laughs> I can pull this off. But they fall so in love with it. And it is like a baby that they don't want to let it go. Yeah. And the thing is, if you want your work to be out there, as a writer or in anything, but as a writer, at some point you've got to let it go. And at another point you have to realize that it's in somebody else's hand. If you go traditionally published, right? So, and I've been traditionally published. So a publishing house, you know, I have an agent and a publishing house bought my books. And there's a point where they're, they're going to ask for edits. They're going to ask for title changes. They're going to create covers. And I have some say in things with the edits. But but if my editor feels like it's making it a better book to make this change, I can't, I I have to let go enough to hear that and say, maybe that's true. And so you have to remove yourself from 
the art itself, the work itself, so that you can make it better. And that's really hard to do as well. Um, my first couple of times I would ask people to read or to edit things, I would get so defensive. And you can't be. But that's really hard. And I still, I'll have moments. Um, but you've got you've to be willing to make it better mm-hmm. by listening to other people. And that's tricky as well. I, I love what you you talked about today because really what I'm I'm hearing is the call from the muse being able to have the courage to and take the risk to follow through. But what I appreciate about you, Julie, is because of your arts administration background and really appreciating the balance with what you just talked about now, the business side. So there's the creative and the business and in order to create that definition of success and to really complete the project and to have it be uh, the work that you're trying to create, you have to marry both of those. One cannot exist with the other. And maybe that's where people do, you know, stop because they don't know how to do the other pieces of it. So I think this was great because we covered mindset, how to get your confidence, the business pieces that you need, as well as how to really pay attention to those internal voices that are calling you, the muse that's calling you. So this was fantastic. Um, if people want to learn more about you and the work that you do, where can I direct them, Julie? You can go to yourladders.com to find out about muse mapping for writers and my coaching and the, the school that I have for to teach artists the business skills. And starting July 20th, I'm going to be doing a five-day boot camp for people who want to learn how to write a book. That's free, so you can sign up there as well. And if you want to hear more about or learn more about my writing life, you can go to jhauthors.com. Yay, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today, Julie. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been terrific. This is Michelle Lamoureux, and you've been listening to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Now remember, all of the show notes can be found over at thegoodlifecoach.com. Now, I have one favor before you sign off today. If you've benefited from any of the shows that you've listened to and really enjoyed the content, would you be kind enough to take just one minute and rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts? It's how I know what's resonating with you, and also it helps other women find the show. Thank you as always for tuning in, and I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.